So good morning. Good morning. I hope you're all well this morning and feeling refreshed. And you might just take a moment before we start to notice, to do that check-in and just see how is the body now. Notice if there's rushing to get yourself settled to be on the call. And see if you can still any of that physical agitation. Then notice the heart-mind. And I use this phrase heart-mind because in English the word mind sometimes have connotations of the intellect, but in the Buddha's teachings, the mind also includes the emotions. So just taking a moment to notice what's happening in the heart-mind now. Remembering the guideline, relax as an invitation to settle, to steady, to still the body and the heart and the mind. To orient to ease so that you can more fully receive the instructions and the practices that we'll be exploring this morning. So I just want to acknowledge that in the morning sessions each day I've been offering a range of different meditation practices for you to explore. So remembering the retreat mantra of exploring and enjoying, the invitation is to try them out during the guided meditation. But if they don't feel appropriate for what's happening in your practice now, then there's no need to continue with them. The recordings are available for you to come back to at a later date if you like. But if you're doing your own practice at home and you find yourself getting caught in confusion about which practice should I do and when should I do it, then just come back to mindfulness of breathing. If that was the only practice that you did during this whole retreat, that will be time very well spent. Because mindfulness of breathing can take you all the way to the deepest freedom. And these other practices are offered as options to highlight different aspects of experience that might be coming into the foreground of your practice for some of you. And if not, don't try to make something else happen. In Vipassana practice, the general guideline is just to be present with whatever is emerging. So relax and open to whatever your actual experience is, moment to moment to moment. That's really the whole of the practice, and everything else is just icing on the cake. 
Okay, so with that kind of caveat in mind, this morning I'd like to continue our exploration of the Satipatthana Sutta, the four establishments of mindfulness. And over the last couple of days, we've been exploring the first and second establishments, mindfulness of the body, mindfulness of feeling tone or Vedana. Then last night, I introduced the third establishment, which is mindfulness of the mind itself. And in the sequence of how these four establishments are laid out, we start with aspects of experience that are more tangible and concrete, such as the body and physical sensations. Then with Vedana or feeling tone, the mindfulness needs to be a bit more refined so we can recognize just that basic hit of pleasant, unpleasant or neutral. And the experience of feeling tone is interesting because it's not purely physical or purely mental. It's a kind of a hybrid. It has aspects of both. So in some ways it's a bridge between mindfulness of the body and mindfulness of the mind. And as I've been emphasizing, Vedana plays a very significant role in influencing most, if not all, of our mental activity, which in turn affects how we speak and act in the world, and even how we take ourselves to be. So this morning I want to explore mindfulness of the mind in a bit more detail. We open up the field of our awareness to look very directly at our mental activity, to pay attention to our thoughts, emotions, moods, mind states. And last night I gave you some definitions of these different categories, but they're slightly arbitrary categories. And the point is not to get lost in intellectual analysis, trying to work out was that, is boredom an emotion or is it a mind state or is it a mood? The intention is just to be aware that there are different processes going on in our minds. And most of us need some training in that skill so that we can get more clarity about our mental experience and how to articulate it to ourselves and then in the relational practice, also to others. So this morning we're going to practice working with thoughts in meditation, letting them come and go without either suppressing them and denying them or feeding them. So the first thing to remember is that thoughts are not the enemy. We're not trying to get rid of thoughts. Because thinking is what the mind does most of the time. Just as the eyes see, the ears hear, the mind thinks. It's natural. And yet even very experienced meditators can have an unconscious belief that real meditation is what happens when there are no thoughts in the mind whatsoever. And while it's true that this can happen in the deeper stages of samadhi practice, where the mind drops into deep states of absorption known as the jhanas, in vipassana or insight practice, reducing our mental activity is a byproduct. It's not the goal of what we're doing here. Which I think for most of us is good news because most of us, especially in this kind of daily life retreat, uh, 
there's going to be mental activity going on much of the time. So again, in this practice, we're not trying to get rid of our thoughts. We're trying to change our relationship to them, simply allowing them to come and go. So in the mindfulness of the mind section of the sutta or discourse, we start with the simplest aspects of our mental activity and then slowly progress to ones that are more complicated. So we start watching thoughts as thoughts, knowing when a thought has arisen, knowing when it's passed away. And then we can start to bring in more complex types of mental activity, perhaps that have an emotional aspect to them. And as I was mentioning last night, often these emotions can be very seductive and suck us into identifying with them. I'm bored, I'm irritated, I'm angry, I'm sad, I'm lonely, and so on. But what we're trying to do here is know these emotional states passing through the mind, just like weather systems pass through the sky of the mind. So wherever you are in the world right now, and I can see in some places it's sunny, in other places it might be foggy or cold or windy or stormy or rainy and then fine again. And in the same way, we can know these emotions as emotions without having them define us. And one technique that can help support us to do this is the tool known as mental noting. We did a little bit of this with the mindfulness of breathing. So when I invited you just to note in and out or rising and falling to help you stay connected with the experience of the breath. In a similar way, when we come aware of an emotion, especially if one that feels like it swept us away and just can't get a handle on it, we can see if we can just name it to ourselves. And that simple act of recognition and naming can take some of the power out of it. So, for example, oh, anger. Anger. Anger is like this. Or fear, fear, okay, this is fear. Sometimes, though, it's not so easy to recognize just what the emotion is. So you might need to try out a few words and see if any of them stick. And in my own experience, this can be a bit like throwing darts at a dartboard. We might need to audition a few words before we find one that metaphorically hits the bullseye. So we might have a vague sense of some kind of painful emotion. And we just try out a few words. Is this sadness? Mm, not quite. Anxiety? Mm, loneliness? Ah, yes, loneliness. That's it. Even if we can't find in the moment what that emotion is, sometimes just even labeling something, something, something can help. Because the part of the brain that's doing the mental noting is different from the part that's feeling it. So even if it's just for a nanosecond, when we label anger, 
in that nanosecond we're not in the anger and the notes are sort of perforating the cloud of the emotion and helping it to dissipate. But again, this is a training. As I said last night, most of us are not uh, so skilled in being able to articulate our inner experiences. It's not part of dominant culture generally. So if this next session is you find it challenging, that's okay. Give it a go. We're going to start with the anchors of the breath and the body and then open up to sounds and then I'll invite you into these different aspects of our mental activity. And just to say that sometimes when people are invited to turn their attention to thoughts, they seem to disappear. Just seconds before they've been plaguing us and when we're actually allowed to look at them, they vanish. That's okay. You can simply know or note, no thoughts. Other people find that when they turn their attention to thinking, it magnifies and feels to increase. Or perhaps you feel like you you find yourself getting caught in wondering, was that vague idea that floated through, was that a thought? Or by that thought about whether it was a thought was a thought? I wonder if I'm supposed to be thinking about whether I'm thinking or not. Now that just seems to be more thinking, and then we end up getting lost in the process. So if that happens, you can just note confusion, confusion, confusion. Or if there are so many thoughts that you can't keep up, then just note torrent of thoughts, or flood of thoughts, and then come back to the breath, steady yourself again. Likewise with emotions, sometimes when people are invited to see if there's any emotion present, suddenly there might not seem to be anything there at all. So you can just note, hmm, nothing much happening. Subtle blankness, maybe slight feeling of calm. So again, you're not trying to manufacture anything or make your experience be any particular way. You're just trying to bring awareness to what is actually happening and name or note it to yourself with just one word. Okay, so let's give that a try.